0: Hey girl, hey! Here we go again! I you do. still have some yes, parties. I just so. can start off as a slumber party uh, since after a couple <laughs> of glasses of wine <laughs> and dinner, we come to slumber, slumber party. Hey girl, hey! hey. I am LaShawn Tippin, better known as the Chatter Chick.
1: Hey trick. girl, hey! I am the Millennial Chick. You hey girl, hey!
2: urban media today i am your radio chick kiki brown
1: i am you millennial chick jeer, jeer. Jeer,
2: jeer. <laughs> i believe our chatter chick will be checking in and then we have a special guest dr angelica perez johnston Of um, she is ccac's uh newest chief diversity equity and inclusion officer so she's going to talk to us about what she does Mm-hmm. um why this position is so important and i believe she's like the first hispanic woman to hold this position um over at ccac but we're gonna we're gonna talk to her she's also my soror and so you know we got that vibe going on and then we're gonna talk about you know the, the issues that's going on in haiti with the haiti migrants all the trending hashtags and me so white uh, missing white girl syndrome, black lives matter, of course, the lack of trust for the COVID vaccine, inadequate education, so many other issues that are happening uh, in our community. So before they check in, we're gonna we're gonna touch on hot topics. You ready? You ready, Jeer, <laughs> <gear.
1: laughs> I've been <All> ready. <laughs> right.
2: We had a lot of celebrity deaths happening this this week, within the past two weeks, actually. We had mm-hmm. Michael K. Williams from The Wire. Um, he's done so many other um, films, but mostly known as Omar on the Wire. Greg Leeks, Nene Leakes' Mimi husband from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Mario Van Peebles died. Um, he was what 89 years old. Uh, he was a, a pioneer uh, in black film and a director. And I, I most, I don't know if you know who Mario Van Peebles is, but I remember him from Girlfriends. And he, do you watch Girlfriends?
1: I vaguely watched that show. I, I so, vaguely
2: Tracy Ellis Ross's character dated him. Hey, chatter chick. Chatter- dated him, and she was like real self conscious about dating him because he was so old. And I remember they had a scene of him. They had they were intimate. And, and they had a scene with him getting up out of the bed butt naked and he had like this old body. and she was like
3: Ugh. <laughs> oh. uh.
2: We're talking about Mario van Peebles and I remember him being on an episode of on girlfriends. When um, Joan dated that older, much older man, like he was flirting with her and she was just a smitten and he was so old, but he knew what to You know, he knew what to do. So we're talking about um, the celebrity deaths. The chatter chick is now checked in. So we yes. appreciate you, lady. Um, Norm MacDonald, who's a comedian and SNL alum, he passed away. Uh, I was hurt by this. Willie Garson, um, who plays Stanford from Sex and the City.
1: I was yeah. like, oh Stanford. I know. Yeah. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. It's and uh, he played LaBelle a gay Singer. character and he
0: wasn't even gay. He wasn't even gay. Yep. And he um, said, yeah, I was, yeah. I, I, he played it so well.
3: Like right.
0: I was like, oh, and he was he was a straight guy, but he says as an actor, no one ever asked when he plays an FBI. Was he really an FBI? He, says he's an actor. <laughs> he was really
2: good he was like if I were looking for a gay male friend he would have to be on a Stanford level
3: because
2: mm-hmm. he was he was Carrie's best friend and that was her you know she was his Judy and so that was the relationship that they had and they did everything together so mm-hmm. I, I I heard that one that one kind of hurt um and Sarah Dash from LaBelle um the LaBelle's mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Labels. Labels. Yeah. Right.
0: Itchy, itchy, yeah, yeah, ga, ga.
2: Right, right. She passed mm-hmm. away uh, this week. Uh, also, a tremendous loss. Actor AJ Johnson you probably know him as Ezel from Friday. I watched him on Deaf Comedy Jam and um players club and, players Club. And, yeah uh, but he he died suddenly a cause of death of course has not been released but the the, the story behind his mm-hmm. this tragic loss was his wife um created an, a gofundme page um to help raise money for the funeral mm-hmm. and folks were like
3: right
2: so so no 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 surprised and she raised eight hundred dollars, and she was saying, you know, she she put folks on blast about the fake love that the family had been receiving um, oh, after yeah. his death. And so Michael Blackson shared the post, saying, you know, we got to do something, you know, for him. And and um, so the the goal of the GoFundMe was like twenty thousand altogether, and then they raised about forty seven thousand um, dollars. Comedian Laurel donated $4,000 he donated the bulk of of the money so yeah Yeah, but I guess the focus is here we are with another death and another no insurance and no insurance
0: Insurance. I can't
2: talk I keep I I gotta fix it but you know I don't I don't know what it because life insurance is like the cheapest insurance yes it is it is it's like five dollars every two years for $50,000
0: just you can do $35 a month and, and have your casket and everything insurance insurance. I, I hate when people get mad because people don't donate to a GoFundMe page, like get your affairs straight. He—that's mm-hmm. pretty selfish not to have your fair you because people think, oh, "I'll be dead; I'll leave it on to somebody else." That's selfish. Take care mm-hmm. of your business so that no one else has to do it for you. They're suffering. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of—that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. I have to do that. I, yeah, I don't want no, no go-funny
1: page. Mm-mm. No, no. This no. when I was a kid. Um uh, it and it took a while for us to have a funeral for him because no one had, there was no money, you know, like there was, he had, I don't think he had any insur- life insurance or anything. So the family was helping pitching money in, you know. Um, but like you said, LaShawn, like that's a very selfish thing, you know, very to put funny. that on one, you know, cause it's like, what are we gonna do? You know what I mean? We have to bury you. Like, you know, we wanna have something for you, but we don't have the money and we're gonna leave it up to this person, that person, it shouldn't be that like that at all. I remember a long time mm-hmm. ago before, started working and stuff i was asking you know my parents like do i got life insurance you know because i didn't know you know if anything mm-hmm. was to happen to me can y'all bury me and my dad was like you ain't got to worry about that they take the money out of my check for y'all and all of stuff like that but it's important in thinking about relationship wise you know when you get married and stuff that plan that you're going to have with your husband or your wife like hey if something was to happen do we have the money like who's going to take care right. of this that what about our kids though so that's right. something very important to look at whenever you are with someone whenever you're marrying someone mm-hmm. like that. yeah that that's it okay 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 i got it
0: uh, yeah yeah get, <laughs> get your insurance you know kiki. what kiki i ain't I no five dollars on on that you know just don't I mean? make me no t-shirts <laughs> all right yeah, I, I I'm not a fan of t shirts. I'm not a fan of the the um, flowers on the pole on the pole. I'm not a fan of those because especially at the place of my demise. Don't go back to that place where I died and do you know balloons and all that. I died. You died in a bed. My spirit's not there. Yeah. How do you die? On top of me. On top what you gonna do? Me.
2: you gonna put some teddy bears teddy on the bed.
0: On the bed. <laughs> <laughs> do that. How, how does that go? I, I just, I don't think that's cool. And, you know, no, no. I mean, get insurance. We used to have an insurance guy, Mr. Conway. I'll never forget. This guy used to come to our house to come. I remember insurance. the insurance
2: people used to come. Yeah. I, re- I remember that. I remember. Mm-hmm.
0: What's that, year?
1: No, no. I said, I remember, too, a long time ago. Um, This is before going back to what I was saying about insurance and stuff. Someone used to come to our house, too. You know, yeah. like, Make sure that you got insurance. Mom, would be like, don't pay them people. Come up here. We we got insurance for y'all. But yeah, they used to come. I remember that. That's a
2: lot of people back then that had it, though. Because if you think a
1: lot of people our age and
2: and Jer's age, just growing up, remembering that that insurance person used to come to the house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow, thinking back, that's that's a lot of people that had it. And I wonder, why did that stop?
0: Yeah. Yeah, well. People didn't want to come up in people's houses anymore. That, yeah. yeah. yeah it's like, no, I'm not coming here. You can go on the computer and do it, you know, but um, back at, back in the day when the insurance people used to come to the house, you know, you were home, they didn't have to hunt you down for that $13. You know, <laughs> right. you know, it's going to be there, you know, yeah. and, and with all the policies they have now, you back in the day, they just had insurance for your death. They didn't mm-hmm. have anything for your burial plot. I mean, this this is a whole thing. This is a whole business. You mm-hmm. got to have a plot too. You got somebody got to dig something up for you behind to go in. Mm-hmm. You know, so just take care of business. I am not passing a hat. And I'm not one contributing to the hat. Mm-hmm. No.
1: Don't
0: ask me. I ain't got it. Uh-uh. Sorry. I don't I got with it. people to be turned up me. like every week they turned up, they got new outfits, everything. But when they died, talk about Y'all got five dollars.
2: What?
0: Yeah. Y'all got, it's no. right. I don't got right. it. You right. All I ain't right. even That's making a potato salad for the repass. I ain't doing it. You ain't gonna make no potato salad. No, Kiki ain't gonna make no potato salad. You ain't salad. even gonna make no potato salad. Not even a little bit. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn.
2: That's cold.
0: That's cold. <laughs> That's cold, Joe. I mean like Kiki didn't win the glory. She ain't got no insurance. No potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> no potato salad for her. <laughs> I ain't even gonna
2: then that's all right because I ain't gonna die then.
1: no nope. I ain't,
2: gonna, I ain't I ain't gonna die. die. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't Pass gonna the die. Hat. Pass the hat. All right. You know what? You know what might die. Nicki Minaj and her husband's marriage. It might be done by the end of the year. Uh, we're gonna switch gears and talk about this drama. So I believe a woman's name is Jennifer Hoff. H O U G H. She is the alleged rape victim of Nicki Minaj's husband, Kenneth Petty. And she shared key details, according to the Jasmine brand surrounding her lawsuit against the couple in an exclusive interview on The Real. Jer, Jer, you saw it. There were clips all over social media and they even extended the conversation about sexual assault and rape. So according yeah. to Hoff, Nicki Minaj and Mr. Petty have been harassing her to recant her claims that he raped her when they were teenagers. She says that, um that the alleged intimidation that she's been receiving from the couple started after he was arrested in California for failing mm-hmm. to register as a sex offender and then the ladies um uh of the real uh well I guess you know she was talking to the ladies and so she became emotional and she explained everything that she had gone through because she refuses to shy away from her truth when asked why she publicly why she's coming public now she says i'm tired of being afraid so and you know i'm just jumping through lines here she says so the only way not to be afraid is to continue to speak up i commend her because a lot of accusers don't um they don't come forward and so uh you know, it's kind of hard for you to believe them when they don't come forward and you think, oh, they just want money. And I've been that person. I've been that judgmental person. Like, oh, they just want money. There has to be, you know, um, something. But for you to come out in in front of a camera, in front of an audience and put your, like, I don't care. Knowing that you've been harassed, knowing that you've been threatened and you're like, I don't care. This is my truth. If something happens to me, you know who did it.
1: hmm you know, exactly. Um,
2: so- you know, uh, Jerry, you said you watched the interview.
1: Yeah. So I had, um, you know, it was on the shade room, like they showed clips of it mm-hmm. and um, at work today, I was able to watch the full interview with her on there. And it was sad, you know, it, mm-hmm. I, it was, it's tell like, she's still hurting. and You know, she tried to move past it, of course, but when he got arrested, it brought things back up. Um, and you know, I hate the victim shaming, you know, mm. I, that's what I don't like. And this is why women are scared to come forward. We see it all the time, you know, with R. Kelly's case being the biggest one, you know, the minute mm. his victims were coming out, things were happening, you know what I mean? Like threats and, um, you know, didn't the one girl's car get caught on fire stuff like that. And I remember, in the interview she was saying she had to move multiple times and was scared for her children. You know, that's a tough situation, you know, to be in. And, um, I didn't know that they offered her money to recant her story. That was new to me. And I'm like, what, you know, and she didn't take the money, which I bought her. Um, you wow. know, definitely, you should not like, take the money in Um, you're not going to pay me for, not you, shut me up, shut me up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. Um, so I just hope that, um, you know, she finds peace within the situation and, um, you know, it just, I just hope that's going to cost
2: Nicki Minaj. He don't have no money.
1: Yeah. That's because, yeah, it's because when you start dipping in her coin purse, Mm. (laughs)
2: that's it that you got a chick. I got my juice box.
0: Obviously you got a sippy cup there. Is that a sippy cup? Yeah, look, just like a sippy cup. <laughs> but anyway, with, with, with this, I mean, how long have these allegations been going on? And Nikki's still been with him? since they announced
2: that they were together, because when right. she started dating him, because they went to high school together,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think, yep. and they they rekindled or something, relationship or whatever. And mm-hmm. he's been getting, because he was in prison.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: A couple um, times. And as soon as he got out, like, it was like, mm, you know he liked touching folk and be like what? And she didn't mm-hmm. care. And I mean, if you want to save your, I don't want to.
0: My point exactly. She didn't care, and she doesn't. So right. wait till them coins.
2: Wait till she start having no. to pay legal no. fees, and she's gonna be
0: like, you know what? You knew this. You knew this was coming from the beginning when you got with him, yeah. and and all these things were against him. Or she can possibly think that he is innocent and maybe he could be i don't know but Um, didn't
1: he have a guilty plea or no no i'm sorry that was for if he okay never mind that was something different it's for because he didn't register as a sex offender he pled guilty uh to doing that okay back then he okay never mind wrong thing oh ma'am
2: you will not have to do something with your man that's a little mm. raggedy.
1: You gotta take care of your son now.
2: So
0: mm-hmm. think of yes, your right. coins, Nicki Minaj. You Nicki, know what her son? She got a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, you ain't know. Of- I know? I haven't talked to her in a long time.
2: Okay. Yeah. So speaking that's- of coins, <laughs> let's keep it moving. Karen Civil. do you know who that is?
0: That, that'll be a no. <laughs>
2: She's actually a uh, marketing guru. She's like. Big clearly not successful. If LaShawn don't know who she is, I know, I know. Ooh, marketing LeSean. maven. Uh, from marketing, and I don't, she's know. a marketing maven, and this is according to the baller alert. She has been trending on social media over the past few days, being accused of taking advantage of former clients, Jesse Wu, Joyner Lucas. Um, and she's even been accused of and admitted to hiring a hacker to take down Hollywood Unlock's Instagram page. Uh, now another accuser has come forward alleging that civil scammed Haitian nonprofit organization sow a seed. Um, I don't follow her career. Our friend to the show, uh, Portia Fox, is a big fan of hers, and she talked about it earlier on her on her radio show but Jerry, Jerry you're familiar with the story so what can you share
1: Yeah so um again uh I'm a fan of Joner Lucas he's a rapper and it ain't came up on yeah, his page is. and uh <laughs> he's, he's he's a good rapper but yeah. he had posted past um screenshots and text messages and all all this information Ooh, he had receipts he had receipts and this was from when he first came out Years ago, this is from like 2016 or whatever, and um, you know, of him getting scammed out of like sixty thousand dollars. And mm-hmm. he was saying, You know, I'm I gave you all my money, that's all I had. Like, I started from the bottom, I had nothing, and I worked hard for this money to get to you so you can help me with my brand and you know, all this other stuff. And it was they was going back and forth, and he even had um, screenshots of I guess her people saying making up something so that he can um tweet it you know what I mean saying like oh what I said wasn't you know was false Karen didn't do this and that he's like no I'm not doing that stuff so she came back and said something you know she had like a r- excuse I can't remember exactly what it was but after he came out then that's when the Jesse Wu girl uh had came out and said something and Meek Mill had even said something um too about her I don't think it was a scam, but it was something in that area. Um, And back in the day, Cameron had said the same thing about her scamming him out of some money. So y'all don't realize this is part of that package. This is called the platinum package. The platinum Mm -hmm. package
2: is that you send me the money and then I make up a scandal. You know, I take your money and you get Mm -hmm. mad about it. And then you tweet about it mm-hmm. and you get popular from that. Yep. So that's the package. That's mm. a part of the package. That's marketing smart. Mm. That's what it looks mm-hmm. like, but she oh, ain't doing smart. stuff. And, and this the- is why people don't invest in these, uh, I, I watch, I see on social media all the time, you know, these social media marketers or social media managers, and they're like, we can increase your followers, we can do this, but you only have like 300 followers or you have 100 and such and such followers. Um, and so watch that. Watch, you know, what you, what you, doing things organically is okay. You just have to be right. patient. You just yeah. have to be patient um, and just keep everything consistent. And, you know, I, I don't know who Karen Civil is. And hopefully, you know, she's a marketing person. She'll know what to do mm. to get out of it.
1: LaShawn, coming yeah. from a marketing person, what do yeah.
2: you think? I'm yeah. sorry. I'm a marketing person as well. With, with yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So you too. But, but you gave your piece. You gave your piece. Uh, piece oh, so, yeah, I'm, okay. mm-hmm. I'm going to be over here. So that's why she's, yeah. yeah. Drink your sippy cup. So, I mean, I I <laughs> Um, like i like, I'm a marketing person, but I'm not a social media person. So I don't have that would be a neat. lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Kiki's all social media. I could I can tell you how it should look and things like that. And yeah, social media is a big thing and I go for it, but it seems like, I don't know. It depends on her clientele list. If she really did something wrong, like she is a big clientele list and some people get angry. Like they got the platinum dating package, but they didn't get the right date. That they thought they were going to get with that package, so then they get mad. Like she ain't look like what I wanted. He didn't look like what I wanted. So then people get mad. So it depends on how long her clientele listed if she did something wrong. Because I just googled her and she's worth millions, and she's been out for a while. If people
2: were giving her money. That's why she's worth. <laughs> it's she's yeah, yeah. Scamming. So she had
0: she had the Ponzi scheme. She had the Ponzi scheme. Now. But that's the hard thing about marketing because. Some people, like if they get big hits, they're, they're like thinking you're wonderful. And then, But there's a there's a time limit to marketing. Like after a while, you get this package, then I stopped doing the marketing for you. You know, mm-hmm. you got to boost yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, and it keeps going like this, don't talk stuff on me because you didn't work the plan, mm-hmm. right. you know, because uh, people get really upset about that. Like, I thought that I was going to do this. I take what you give me. Try to make it bigger. But if you don't have a whole lot to put into it, I, I'm fixing it up. And you, know? you got to work too. It can't just be, it can't just be me.
2: You know what I'm right. saying? We all got to work together. Um, Everything that I'm doing is to my audience and your audience, but also your audience. You know, you have to, you got to work too. It's, it's your investment. This is your time. This is your brand. You don't just say here and then walk away. Like you still right. have to be invested. You got to know, you got to do your research too. You can't, you can't just assume that because they have a popular name that you know even with me you know I, I don't have a popular name but people you know that I have a social media management company so what you do is you go to my clients and you say hey what's it like working with Kiki so right. are you good with working like is she trustworthy is it like is it worth the money is it good da, 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 da. you know what I'm saying and and then that's how you go off of it not just off of somebody's name so yeah well she be
0: alright. She be
2: alright. Right. So um we're waiting for Dr. Angelica Perez Johnston who's going to join us today and she is the chief diversity equity inclusion officer for CCAC. She's also my soror. Um we're going to talk about what she does and why she's the first Hispanic woman to take that position. Um like she's a Hispanic woman who passes for white. She'll tell you that. Um and why she's in that position talking about diversity? So yeah, like she's she's Hispanics super deep. She passes for, she passes
0: listen, work. this is imitation in life.
2: Uh, listen, and she's checking in now. But we're before she All before right. we we talk to Angelica, because she going, hey sis, All
3: right.
2: <laughs> hey sis, we are live Hi. on Facebook before you curse. <laughs> it happens <laughs> we are live on facebook and and you're it's angelica correct
4: yes yeah. see <laughs> Angelica. helica okay or dr apj whichever or dr apj so, oh, so um, the
0: h is silent i mean the g is
4: silent the g is an h yes okay
2: all, all right. right so before we talk to angelica we're going to go through uh, Who the F Cares News. So you are in here. Perfect timing. All right. This is basically top stories, hot topics to people, news stories that people are just like, so who cares? And just figure we just give the last five minutes to this. Birdman reveals who he thinks can beat Lil Wayne in a versus battle. He says that he wouldn't mind doing verses with Wheezy. So if anybody can go up against Wheezy, it would be Birdman.
0: Nah, next. Aren't nah. <laughs> they family?
2: No, not anymore. Not <laughs> after he kissed them in the
0: mouth. I mean, full mouth kiss. Full mouth. Full blown. Yeah, you know, we all cool and all that, but I ain't, ain't going to yeah, never no. do.
4: Yeah, Unless it's no, mouth to That's mouth.
0: It's put my lips on yours. It has no. to me, you gotta be, you got to be down. I got to be blowing out in there, but I'm not, not full mouthing y'all. I'm just not. Mm-mm, mm-mm, and we're no. not going to have this on verses. Like, who cares? Yeah, Uh, right. That's why I made Who the F cares news. You know what else?
2: You know what else qualified for Who the F cares news? The Migos' fashion has been memorialized at the Grammy Museum. Why was this news? I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's us, but Jerry's the millennial, so she don't even care. Uh, What what is the Migos' fashion? What what are
0: they doing? It's jeans and T-shirts, like. How many people have been doing that at the Grammys? Wait, what? <laughs> what? At the right. music places. Right.
1: It, huh? Yeah, they could have
2: leather pants, up. some J's, and a t-shirt with a belt. You know, with a around. belt. No, maybe. Yeah, belt, but your pants hanging up. Anyway, or <laughs>
1: right. belt
0: and sagging. Right. Oxymoron. Oxymoron, right there.
2: They are oxymorons. Um, yeah. Kim K has yeah. been uh, announced that she will. Uh, she will host sNl this season and deborah messing from will and grace is pissed oh, off grace. she is a peter and a Paul and appalled i guess she wanted to do it
0: okay Dang.
2: Kim kardashian deborah messing don used
0: by cha I don't know. I used to love Will and Grace. I thought that Grace was funny and Jack and all. I don't see anything funny about Kim Kardashian. I mean, I think if she goes on SNL, they're going to make more fun of her. Yeah. And, and Guess what? Going to be
2: funny. And guess what?
0: And they'll be chitching. And that's what
2: she's. That's what she's doing. So mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. That, it's a good look for that. SNL because she has billions of followers. Right. Mm-hmm. Who cares if she's funny? People are going to watch. Nobody cares, right? Yeah, exactly. Honey, that's going to be the Saturday I go to bed early. <laughs> you already go to bed early. All right. Sure. Um, here's two more things. Two more things. Steve Harvey says that his daughter, and you know, I don't really care. His daughter Lori Harvey is. This is the first time that she's been happy. So what?
0: Yay! I'm happy. I love Lori Harvey. She's my hero. <laughs> I love her. Kiki can't stand her. I lo- Kiki, you're such a hater. You don't like. You this is why you don't like Lori, because she's dated. You've been calling
2: Lori Harvey and telling her that I'm hating on her. And that's why she's been with Michael B. Jordan longer, because you've been telling her that I don't like her. her. She's like, we're going to prove Kiki wrong. Mm
0: -mm. I love her because she dates multiple people because she's dating. So that's what you do. You got to figure out which one you like. Don't she hasn't settled. I love her because she doesn't settle. So yeah. now she found someone that she really liked, which is Michael B. Jordan, who happens mm. to be one of the finest guys. I find myself
2: swiping past him. If there's ever. I, sh- I'm going. What, All right. Last one. Hater last eggs one. and bacon.
0: I can't. Bacon. St- I can't. <laughs> hater up. eggs and bacon for breakfast, Kiki. <laughs> With cheese.
2: With cheese. <laughs> and With cheese. potatoes. And bacon. And potatoes. Not and potatoes. a company. I know. So <laughs> here's the one I think you guys are laughing. Angelica's been laughing all the time, this whole time. R. Kelly has declined to take the stand at a sex trafficking trial. <laughs>
0: Sorry, what you gonna say? Name. Y'all I'm trying saying. to kill me! <laughs> oh. Robert. Robert. Oh. Oh,
3: no.
0: oh, no. Y'all trying <laughs> to kill me! <laughs> so he declined. Guilty. Just go. To say- you, you i videotape, getting... sir. You don't have to take the standard video. What tape. are you gonna say? Like, what could you? That ain't me.
1: <laughs> Where you?
0: Sure? <laughs> me? what me? Where me? me.
1: No, actually, that's not me. I don't know. That's Who not that me. Means. I
2: don't know whose butt cheek that is. It's not me. I don't.
1: <laughs> not not what I you're
2: I talking mean. about. Well, it wasn't Do me.
0: Your time in jail.
4: Do you right. no He's already Do done you it. Brain. Like
0: time served, basically. He's been in it for There's like ten years. Go all the way back like this. I don't know.
4: All right.
2: Oh, so that was Who the, Ca- Who the F Cares News. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We have Dr. Angelica Perez-Johnston here with us. She is the new Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer for CCAC. We met um, and she just blew me away just in our lunch conversation. I was like, damn! Let me tell you something before we go to break. So we're talking, and Helica, I, I swear, she is the most confident person I know. We're in the sandwich shop, and there's nothing but Caucasian men up in here. She was like, you know, the problem with white people, I was like, Ooh. Ooh, like, Ooh. And She's like I let whoop. me tell you and another thing. And I, I was
1: like, and something else. Right, right?
2: Good. Okay. No, no. I'm 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 embellishing a little bit, but let me tell you no, something. No, that's, that's pretty accurate. Okay,
3: that's pretty. Good.
2: <laughs> and we're gonna talk about what she does and um and why she does what she does. And then we're gonna talk about um the hot topic about the Haitian migrants and then these trending hashtags and, and what she thinks about them and, and how we should you know how we should address them as, as a community and um are we ever gonna go back to uh, Black Wall Street? Is it too late for us to do that? So we'll talk about that and why black folks still scared of the COVID vaccine. We're gonna take a quick break. This is the Hey Girl Hey Podcast on Urban Media Today Hold Tight. Copy God. The Pittsburgh Project is a Christian nonprofit community organization with a 34 year history of service to the Pittsburgh area through investment in future leaders and vulnerable homeowners. Located on Pittsburgh's north side, Pittsburgh Project staff operates a progressive series of youth after school programs and welcomes partners year round to serve community homeowners and operate local recreation spaces. The Pittsburgh Project is a nonprofit 501c3 organization overseen by staff and its board of directors. The Pittsburgh Project is here to achieve this vision by sharing hope, empowering youth, and building community. For information about the Pittsburgh Project and its beliefs, log on to pittsburghproject.org. Hey, girl. Hey. hey.
3: Girl hey girl hey. Hey. hey all
2: right it's the hey girl hey podcast urban media today um so we are live on facebook and we have a special guest this week um she is my so sweet soror z Fi. uh dr angelica perez johnston do not call her angela do not call her angelica
4: nope. <laughs> <laughs> no don't, don't call her Angel, don't call her Angie.
2: Don't. Don't, do don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. She will come for you. Don't do it. So, um, and she's the new Chief Diversity and Equ- Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer here in Pittsburgh at CCAC and she has a a, a trail of accomplishments, education, professional and all of that. And I met her through a mutual friend. Shout outs to Monica Malik. Um love um She's Love me Samonica. <laughs> and she said, tell my chica, I said, hey. So she said, hey. hey um, but she said, you have to have her on the podcast. And I was like, why? She was like, I'm just, t- just meet her one time. Just meet her one time. <laughs> and so we met and our conversation was just, I was blown away. Um, and then what I told Jerry this story, but we're sitting there talking and, and Helga goes, <gasps> And I was like, what? And she was like, and she grabbed my hand and saw my Z5B. She was like, and she grabbed her keychain and
0: like, like, we're sorrows, me and you must never put my key
2: down. So it was like sisterhood from the gate. Um, but yeah, so ever since then, you know, we've been texted and, and uh, it's just been such an honor to know you. And why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do and what the hell is a Chief Diversity Equity and Inclusion Officer? And is it true that you're the first Hispanic woman that's held that position? Like, give me the backstory on that.
4: Yeah, so Dr. APJ, um, I am the first Chief Diversity Equity and Inclusion Officer in the state of Pennsylvania, Western side um, that holds the senior level diversity position as a Chicana, Mexican-American. Um, and so I, big shoes to fill, right? Like, <laughs> huge, like no pressure, no, no pressure. Really. Like, right. really about that. Um, and I didn't discover that until really later after I was hired. So I was hired in March to start in July. And I spent June, all of June, meeting with community partners and other institutions and other folks doing the work intentionally within the city. And every time I was in a meeting, I looked around and I'm, well, you know, looked at all the squares on Zoom and was like, (laughs) "Hmm, okay, okay. Uh, And so I asked the questions and actually it was confirmed by uh, the Pittsburgh Conference on Higher Education. I am the only the only Latinx individual in Western mm-hmm. Pennsylvania in the senior diversity mm-hmm. role, so. And what is that job? What is that? Like, what is, what do you do? What is it not? <laughs> <laughs> what is okay. it not? So I think for everybody comes to this work in their own way. Um, for me, it really means so let me just be i'm gonna be real so it means teaching the white people not to be racist mm-hmm. to recognize about white privilege and mm-hmm. systemic oppression and white supremacy and all of those big words that white people don't want to talk about mm-hmm. um, that's my job right my job is to ensure that equitable practices are embedded in every facet of our community college Um, to ensure that students are first, that we're thinking about our most systemically marginalized students when we're having conversations about literally anything that goes on institutionally. Um, And so I have the privilege and honor of being the voice in the room for all of our marginalized communities that don't have a seat at the table, which is huge. Um, But also I have amazing leadership. Dr. Quentin Bullock is just like, he's a powerhouse and super amazing, empowering, super supportive, like anything I ever say or do. He's like, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, I feel pretty good. I told a white Mm -hmm. man about himself today. And he's like, all right, good point. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's a really good space to be in. Um, You know, it's, it's just, it's amazing to me that I would not have envisioned myself in this type of position ever. Right. And I'm here now, so I feel really good about it. I feel uh, very grateful to be in the position and, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done for the city. There's a lot of work to be done for the college. And I'm just really, I mean, I've only been here for nine weeks and I'm already Mm -hmm. kicking ass. So.
1: Did you, what type of work did you do before this um, that kind of led up to what you're doing now?
4: (laughs) Yeah, so. Like, were you a police
1: officer, a Navy SEAL,
2: FBI agent? All of it, all of it. Okay, okay, Okay. gotcha,
4: gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) No, so I actually never wanted to be in higher education. I never knew this was a career path for anybody, really. Um, So I went back to school in my mid-20s. I got my associate's degree a year after high school from the Bradford School of Business in Pittsburgh. That's where I went. Yay. My mom went there. Back my when it was there. on seventh and grand. Yeah, she went there. Like, I went to business school. Where is it at, mom? March medicals. Right? March yeah. medicals. <laughs> she said that. She went there, too. <laughs> so I did that in the 90s. Yeah. Like, 98. and 98 yeah. to 2000. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then... Mm. Uh, I got married to a horrible white man. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Listen, you know um, you hate yourself when the man you marry for fun reenacts civil wars and fights for the confederate side.
0: side. Uh, I I knew you were going to say confederate side. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It was, okay. it was a low point in my life. Right. But okay. anyway, so after a lot of travel, I came back to Pennsylvania. It's where my ex-husband's family is from Erie, Pennsylvania. And, um, after about a year of deception, I realized that, uh, the only way to get out of the situation that I was in was to get into higher education. So I got my bachelor's degree in psychology, quickly realized that you can do nothing with a bachelor's degree in psychology. <laughs> Yeah, so sad, so sad. (laughs) Like you have to advance the group. Yeah, Yeah. right. And like, nobody tells you that, right? They're like, oh yeah, get your bachelor's degree in psychology. I'm like, yeah, oh no, there's nothing. So I got my master's in mental health counseling. I was actually a drug and alcohol therapist. And I thought that that was going to be um, where I landed for the rest of my life quickly found out that inpatient drug and alcohol therapy is a revolving door for folks, and I could not emotionally handle that. So I decided to begin uh, work as a treatment team coordinator for George Jr. Republic, which is the juvenile detention center for Mm at-risk male youth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it, it seems serendipitous that every point in my career i've always worked with systemically marginalized populations right. so it's really doing the work before i even knew what the work was wow it was yeah. setting you up it was setting yeah. you up yeah, yeah. Hmm. so i did that for a while and then i uh took a part-time position as a therapist at clarion university quickly found out, out, out that col-
3: <sighs> undergrad go eagles.
1: <laughs> yes all right
4: girl <laughs> y'all happy where but... <laughs> were you <the laughs> <nanny there? laughs> yeah. So yeah so i went i was there and i quickly found out that college female trauma although it's very traumatic to a college woman in the grand scheme of things, cannot be compared to trauma of a young Black male that has been in the streets and experiencing gun violence and gang activity. And so I got out of mental health. I'm like, I can't do this anymore because I can't see the difference between. Um, And when you know you can't be empathic in multiple settings, it's time to go. So Mm -hmm. I became a student success coach um, at Clarion. I did that for a while got scooped up by Teal College. I did academic advising, and then I did the director of first year experience and transition programs, um, where I supported systemically marginalized students in a summer bridge program. I created a whole summer bridge program. I got to recruit my own students. I increased retention of students of color by 26% in one year. Um, And so Allegheny College saw that and they were like, ooh, we want you. So I went to Allegheny College, became the associate director for their multicultural center, moved up to the director position. And then CCAC saw me and they were like, ooh, we want you. And I'm like, ooh, do I want to go back to Pittsburgh? Do I and am I ready for this? Right. Like I've been. In student facing student centered positions for a really, really long time. Like, am I ready to get out of the student game, first of all? And right. am I ready to be like this cabinet level, can't wear jeans and t-shirts to work every day? Like that was a big decision. That was probably the hardest decision was that I couldn't wear jeans and t-shirts.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's a pretty hard one. That's the deal breaker right there. <laughs> right.
1: Like, <laughs> you want me to mm-hmm. wear what to work at? And I don't, yeah, I
0: get it. <laughs> so, so, Angelica, before you came on, uh, Kiki, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if you teased because I said something about imitation of life. Um, um, so, you you identified as white, or you identified? No, white? people
2: pass. We talked about passing.
0: Oh.
4: white oh, passing. Yeah.
2: Talking, white passing. No,
4: but yeah, you actually bring up a really good point. So. And I think it's important to the work that I do. So my father is Mexican. My mother is white. We actually grew up in Knox, Pennsylvania. Jared knows where Knox is. It's right by Clary and it's the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. Too, yeah. <laughs> she said it's the
2: middle of nowhere.
4: It is. Right, right. middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, middle of nowhere. Um, and so my mom and my dad in San Antonio, Texas, brought him to Pennsylvania, thought it would be a really good idea to raise half-brown children in an all-white region. Um, And so my experiences were that my social and surroundings were telling me that being brown was bad. In third grade, my first direct experience with racism was we were doing geography and we got to pick the countries that we presented on. And I wanted to present on Mexico, obviously, because like we had artifacts from Mexico. We went to Mexico for vacations and holidays and all this stuff. So in third grade, I got up in front of the classroom and I was like, you know, today I'm going to talk about Mexico. And my third grade teacher mocked me and didn't stop my classroom from mocking me. And so, I mean, it's white, right? Like this is white America. This is rural white America. And so that happened. And then my parents got divorced when I was 12. And so all of these different things in my life have told me that being Brown is bad. Mm -hmm. Right. And understanding that I have a white mother. And if you're 12 years old and someone tells you, "Well, being white is good," and you're like, "Oh, well, I look white. I, that I think I want to do that. Like, I'm going to be white." And so I did. I passed as white for a number of years, from the time I was 12 until probably around 19. Yeah. Um, I made the conscious decision. Actually, probably until about 20, because I married my very racist husband when I was 20. Um, and so, you know, coming to terms with that, but then understanding my reason as to why why am i getting into this work why am i so interested in this entire culture that was told that it was bad you know why is it that you know my white family disregarded the way that my dad was treated and dismissed him for the things that he experienced why is it that all of these people treat my dad differently just because he looks different and talks different and so I started to ask questions about myself and who I was. And then I got really amazing mentors that were like, no, honey, <laughs> you're not just white. Like, can we have a conversation about this? I'm like, well, I mean, I look white. And they're like, Yes, yeah, okay, but let's explore that. And so, you know, my whys got me to a point of realization in where biculturalism intersects. Right. And so Finding out my whys then led me to finding out whys of other marginalized communities and finding out the whys of other marginalized communities then really led me into a place where I could intentionally do this work. But then I can sit in the room with a bunch of white people and be like, so tell me about your white experience. And they're like, oh, this is the white diversity lady. We're going to really like tell her the things that we wouldn't tell any other person. And so then, you know, by the time we get into the middle of the conversation, I'm like, okay, so my dad is Mexican. Then they're like, oh, oh, we, we really said that in front of, right? So it gives me opportunity to see things that other people of color tend not to see. But that also affords me opportunity to process that experience with a white person and be like, okay, so this is why these things are problematic, right? And this is why we need to think of things in different ways. And this is why we talk about white privilege. And this is why, like when I present and facilitate in conversations, my white passing privilege is the first thing that I acknowledge. Because I want other white folks in the room to realize that if I'm a woman of color and I can, I can acknowledge and accept what my white passing privilege affords me Mm -hmm. in spaces and places, then you as a fully white person should not be like, this should not be an uncomfortable conversation, right? Like this should be an intentional conversation about like, okay, so what can I do understanding that I have white privilege? How can I... Then advocate for systemically marginalized people that don't have a voice in a lot of these spaces. Yeah. So right. you were right.
3: <laughs> mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's it's, it's unique. Um, I celebrate that. I mean, because people we're all mixed with something. Yeah. And but it's it's really unique, like because you have you get to see both sides that you're mixed with. Like, I, I say I'm African-American, but because that's what I see with my parents, but if I go, you know, deep into the roots, we're mixed with a little bit of everything else. A little bit
1: of something, mm-hmm. yeah. You
0: know, a little bit of something, so, but you have the opportunity to see both sides, and, you know, um, I know earlier we were talking about uh, Mario Van Peoples who passed away, but he did this movie called The Watermel- Watermelon Man or something, where mm-hmm. a white guy went to sleep and woke up, no, a black guy went to sleep and woke up white the next day, and and this is movie, like, it's a Black exploitation movie. That's what he's famous for. Mm-hmm. So when he died today, they really talked about that. So in that movie, he woke up. And when he he had so many privileges, like, he was like, okay. well, you know, why would I go back to being Black? You know, mm. like, but you, you get you get to see, like, both sides of it. So I think that's a good position for you to either, for to correct people who don't know, who think they, they can open up to you and tell you their wrongs, and you have the opportunity to correct them. So, um,
4: but I also want to be clear because then, you know, we get into these spaces where people are like, well, you know, she's a woman of color. She has white passing privilege. And so we can tell her these things, but then we can say, oh, I know how you feel. No, you don't know how I feel because I have lived in a world where I am too white for Mexican spaces and too Mexican for white spaces. And I've had to sit in conversations where someone calls me a white woman. I'm like, well, who are you calling white? And they're like, okay, but are you living that genuinely every day? So I've constantly been questioned about my identity. Right. And then on the flip side of that, when I'm talking about like experiences of my black colleagues and friends and people are like, oh, I know how they feel. You will not, I will not ever, not even you, I will not ever know the experience of my black sisters i will not ever know the experience of a black woman living in the united states today i will never have that experience so i can't say oh i know how you feel i might want to understand can you give me a little more about that experience so that i can empathize with you so that i can collaborate and try to find ways that we can be more intentionally supportive but i also want to be clear that that's not ever going to be my experience Mm -hmm. right like that's Mm -hmm. not ever going to be my lived experience so i can't like when people are like, oh my gosh, I know how you feel. And you don't, right? Like, and I'm not ever gonna diminish that. So, like when I have conversations, especially in the college setting, my big thing for this year, and I was sharing this with Kiki when we met, is that I want as a city, but also as a college, to look beyond the dichotomous perceptions of diversity. In the city, we're very much it's black or white it's yeah. male or female it's all of these binaries right and it doesn't acknowledge that there's a large latinx population we have refugee and immigrant populations we have the largest lgbt youth population that is homeless in the state of pennsylvania like there is intersectionality everywhere around us but when i say that white people are like oh she's not going to talk about the black people all the time and i'm like oh no, no no don't get it twisted because we're still centering black voices because the black People of the United States are the most marginalized, right? And so we can't have a conversation about all of these other intersections. I'm not talking about the oppression Olympics. What I'm talking about is we have to center the voices of the most marginalized in order to be intentionally supportive of all of our marginalized communities.
1: So
4: people are like, oh, dichotomy. Oh, she's not going to talk. I'm like, no, no, no. That's <laughs> that's not what's happening. Yeah. Not today.
2: I'm <laughs> all of it. Yeah. We we have we have less than less than twelve minutes. Uh, So I want to actually get into some of the the trending hashtags, with the Haitian migrants, um, the Emmy So White that's been trending, missing white girl syndrome um, Mm. has been trending, of course, Black Lives Matter, um, the lack of trust for the COVID vaccine, inadequate education, so many issues that involve our community. Like, where are you with that? What's the conversation like? with you and your, 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 I don't know, your husband or your coworkers, like how do you address these things? How do you even look at these, these types of things? And then um, can we ever, as a people get back to a black wall street, you know, it's something you, you read about it in the books was like, wow, it sounded like it was so nice until it didn't until it wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? How do you address these, these types of topics? Um, Well, you didn't even work with students. This is like staff.
4: So. <laughs> I mean, there was a so, time, there was a time, yeah. there was a time when I worked with students mm-hmm. and I missed those times very much. um So, full disclosure, my new husband is also white, mm-hmm. actually, extremely white. He is ginger, which means he's like the whitest of white. I don't think I could pick a whiter man if I really tried. <laughs> um, I was like, mm, you, like mm, you, 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 come <laughs> on. Right okay, that's what we're going to go with. <laughs> Uh, So the conversations, and I have a 15-year-old son, so our conversations, although I'm in the city Monday through Friday, we still get together on the weekends, and the conversations are very intentional in, you know, how, how does my husband's level of privilege impact these conversations, how can he carry on social justice issues and be a voice in the room? Mm-hmm. Uh, my 15 year old grapples with being a quarter Mexican. So what does that mean for him, right? Do I identify as a person of color? Do I identify as a white man? Cause I'm mostly white. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to compound that, like, you know he goes to school in a rural region. Mm-hmm. And so when he talks about hashtags and social justice people look at him, like he has a third eye.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what do you mean? Like yeah, yeah, right.
0: yeah, you got it good. Why are you complaining?
2: <laughs> right. I have no idea. Yeah. I, I think, have no idea know,
4: when it point. comes to when it comes to like the Haitian issues right now this is not anything new i think you know when when george floyd was murdered over two summers ago holy cow when Mm -hmm. george floyd was murdered over two summers ago you know people were like oh racial awakening and i'm like yo this is like the 20th black man that has been murdered in a matter of a couple months like why are we all of a sudden making a big deal well social media Mm -hmm. now like the presence of social and hashtags right The hashtags are what really gets people's attention. And so things that were never in the forefront of anyone's thinking before are now central to their thinking because they follow hashtags. They follow hashtag BLM. They put -hmm. the little black box on their Instagram. And so the conversation then becomes, what are you doing beyond the hashtag? How are you actually mobilizing and being intentional and supporting, right? Like the Haitian migration issue is not one that just happened overnight. This has been an issue for years and years and years from the Trump administration on, right? Like Mm -hmm. Mexican-Americans were being detained the minute they crossed the border. Mexican women were having history is done without permission like these are not issues that are new it's just like this is what we're clinging on to today and so it's it's about having more intentional conversations about the issues on an ongoing basis as opposed to today we're going to have this conversation because it's a hashtag mm,
0: in right? mm, mm, mm. and, and mm. reference to the haitian migration i had gone to haiti for i was there some years ago for about a couple weeks, I was in Haiti just before their big attack, and um, and now, I mean, Haitians have always been here in the United States, right? So when I see those pictures, it's so disturbing. It of a man on a horse, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it looks like you know he's running from slavery. Yeah, well, I, so this I, is the United I, States.
2: A lot right? of the images on social media have compared that moment yeah. to the 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 lynching or not the lynching but the hunting of slaves and and stuff like that and so now it's like you see it and you and you still hear the conversations um you know in the comments that well they shouldn't be here well well they're they're humans we care more about a pit bull Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like a dog being left in a car and you know i love my dog but but America will we will hunt you down if you treat it if you mistreated a damn poodle yeah but we have we justify why it's okay to whip a grown human being who just wants a better life for his family mm-hmm. because living in Haiti is dangerous yeah. for him
3: mm-hmm. And, and so he wants,
2: wants to come here to the land of the free mm-hmm. and so to to come here to a place where he can find freedom and take care of his family, but he's being hunted down. So not only did he come from one toxic environment, but now to another one. And those who just cannot relate, who aren't familiar, don't see the connection. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, he should be, you know he shouldn't have done it this way, he shouldn't have. But yet we can't wait, we can't, you know we doing fundraiser, you know, thousand dollar plate dinners to save the poodles and making cardboard straws to save the turtles. And I get it, save the turtles, I get it. But what about human lives? So how yeah. do you change that? You know, we, we only have five minutes, so quickly, how do we change that? How do you change that conversation? What are you doing, and Helica, to talk to your staff and to teachers or educators, those who, you know, make those comments or feel that way and, and, and tell them like, no, that's not right, that's not cool. How do you get them to, to think differently? <laughs>
4: So you can't have the conversation about immigration issues without acknowledging the the bigger conversation of white privilege and people not being able to accept their white privilege. Mm -hmm. And so for me right now, and systemic oppression, you know, like for me, while those topics are very important and I'm not disregarding them, I'm on a mission to educate our faculty, staff, and students that identify as white Mm -hmm. on how their privilege interplays with all of these issues right like how how can you be more cognizant of the harm that's being caused by systemic oppression by white people right and the only way to do that is to understand your position and privilege and how that privilege then can basically annihilate an entire people Mm -hmm. just because you want to continue to advantage from your position in white privilege, right? So before we can even have the conversation about how to be intentional of supporting systemically marginalized students, people need to recognize their identities and how they impact the work that needs to be done, right? So I would love to say, hey, we're gonna sit down and have a conversation about Haiti today, but we're not there yet. Like we're not at a point where we can have a conversation about how other people are being oppressed because you can't even understand how you are contributing to that oppression, right? right? And so that's a bigger conversation to have before we get into the intentional conversations about how we can be supportive.
2: Wow, okay. And I wish we had more time. There's so much, I, I knew we were going
3: to have more time.
2: That hour anyway, goes back. it hour goes back quickly. Uh, wrapping up uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. So, sorry, we didn't get a parade on st patrick's day october
4: 15th, october 15th. Day. you still got three weeks man
2: we can do it okay all right yeah uh um melanie was pissed off that there was a st patrick's day parade during hispanic heritage month i was like oops she was hot so oh, anyway i know, I know. <laughs> she was hot <laughs> if you if, i'll if get if one you know melanie you know melanie malloy <laughs> <laughs> throw a lot of f-bombs she was pissed all right so and helica how can we reach you how can we get in touch with you and find you if if we can like how can we find if, if someone was watching and wanted to ask you some questions or whatever good luck
4: finding yeah. me uh- <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty private in social media. Uh, LinkedIn, okay. Dr. Mm-hmm. Angelica is the first name. So if you search me in LinkedIn, it's Dr. Angelica. Like that's, that's how you find me mm-hmm. um, on LinkedIn. You can always email me at aperez-johnston at ccac.edu. Um, I'm more than willing to have the conversation. I also think that like going beyond the institutional walls, so this is part of my my bigger concern is how do we educate our communities, right? Mm-hmm. So like we're a community college, which means we should be reaching far beyond our institutional walls. So
3: mm-hmm.
4: you know, if there are folks that are interested in having community conversations or wanting community trainings, those are things that I'm very much interested in in facilitating because I think it's important to the work that I do. So
2: love that thank you so much for being here soror appreciate you thank you
4: soror yes um this is
2: the
1: hey girl hey podcast i'm your radio chick kiki brown and
0: i'm the chatter chick
1: lashawn and i'm your millennial chick jeer jeer so what are we going to give angelica what's her what's her chick name
0: the inclusion chick
1: (laughs) yeah
2: Equity and inclusion. inclusion. chick. Okay. Equity and inclusion chick. Okay. I like it. I like it. This is our fourth season. You should be able to get in touch with us now. You should be yeah. able to find us on social media. The Hey Girl Hey Podcast. You we're everywhere. Um you can we're everywhere. We're on SoundCloud. We're on um but Podbean. We're on Uh-oh. we're on Apple podcast We're everywhere. So just find us, okay? Yeah.
0: yeah. Hey Jerry, what did your hair change? I Wait, did she change while, while Angelica work. was talking? Something I happened. I just happened to look. I was like, I hear what's like <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take the real Jesus, and turn on them, Lincolns.
2: All right. Me. That's it. Thank you so much for joining us. is the hey, podcast on Urban Media today. Thank you listening to urban media today radio your station for classic soul r&b old school hip-hop gospel smooth jazz and more listen online at urbanmediatoday.com or download the tune in live 365 or urban media today radio apps they're free so take us with you it's urban media today radio the views and opinions expressed on the hey girl hey podcast do not necessarily reflect on the official policy or position of urban media today and Urban Media Today Radio. Any content provided by our guests, sponsors, or advertisers are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.